Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. How tragic is it that a church could exist in a community for 20, 50, 100 years and have so little influence in its community that it could go out of business and nobody would even notice? We've probably all heard stories of a person who suffers from amnesia and forgets who they are. So, here's a question for you. Is it possible for a church to forget who they are? If I say to somebody, you know, we're, we're, not, we're certainly not a perfect church, but I'll tell you this, for us, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. Really? What, what do you mean by that? I want to help you answer that question. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. In a couple of weeks, we'll begin a brand new series as Pastor Clay walks us through what are called the general epistles or letters. It's going to be a great series really looking at the nuts and bolts of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But today, Pastor Clay wanted to take an opportunity to focus in specifically on our local church, Cross Culture Church. I asked a moment ago if it was possible for a church to forget who they are. One of the ways to make sure that doesn't happen is to remind the church from time to time who they are. We take the cross to the world around us, and God then uses us to bring the world around us to the cross. So today's message is aimed at who we are as a church. But as you'll hear today, there are characteristics that all churches should share in common. Now here's Pastor Clay. Hey, uh, here's the question I'm, I'm asking uh, today. Uh, next week, uh, Steve will be here preaching. In the following, we're going to start a new series uh, on basically called Building on the Basics, uh, where we're going to walk through some of the, what, are, what are called the general letters, the general epistles of the New Testament, and they give us some foundational uh, ideas about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. So we're going to be starting that series. But today is, is kind of a, a, just an idea, an opportunity to stop and reflect and, and ask this question. Who is Cross Culture Church? Who, who are we? And let me be honest with you, that is a question that I had intended to ask more often than I have. But with the busyness of life and ministry, you sometimes tend to just kind of put your head down and, and plow along and preparing sermons and, and uh, trying to minister to folks and and planning events, and you can just get busy doing that kind of stuff, and it's easy to do all that stuff, and it's, it's fine, it's good, it's stuff that has to be uh, done, but every once in a while we need to stop, and we need to, to look up, and we need to look around, and we need to ask that question. Who are we? Who is this church? Is Cross Culture Church the church that we envisioned it to be when God birthed this on our hearts? Are we... Um, are we achieving, are we seeing uh, some of the, the ideas and dreams and, and, and ministry that, that we thought that cross-culture would be about when we started this thing? Quite honestly, the answers to those questions are both yes and no. Yes, I believe that we are glorifying God. I really do believe this church glorifies God. Yes, I believe that we are impacting lives here, there, and everywhere. I believe we're reaching different age groups. I believe we're reaching unchurched people. So yes, I, I do believe in a sense that cross-cultural church is achieving some of what it was intended to, to achieve. But no, no, I do not believe that cross-cultural church has or is reaching the full potential for which it could be 
and for what I believe God laid on our heart to begin with, with this idea. And some of you may say, well, I wasn't here then. Well, you're here now. Suck it up. <laughs> what, you know, no, I, I just don't believe that we're achieving all of the, all the potential that we could be as a church. Because I, I look around and I've, I've said this for years and I'll keep saying it. For as long as the Lord allows me, uh, I, I look around, I look at you, I look at your faces, and, and some of you I don't know as well, others I know better, uh, but, but I know I can see so much potential in this room, so much potential to impact lives and change lives and, 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 and reach people for the cause of Jesus Christ. I, I see so much of it. So I'm grateful to God. I truly am grateful to God for all that he has allowed us to see, and I am begging him to let us see so much more. More lives changed, more baptisms, more seats filled up, more uh, people surrendering to vocational ministry all over the world or ministry that God would open doors, more uh, teams going out, more churches being planted, new churches being planted, more, more based on the potential that, that is within this room, is within, the, within the, the, the ministry of who Cross Culture Church is. And I, and I ask you, I truly, I humbly ask you to join me in praying that God would allow us to see his territory expanded. You know, I thought about that when I, when I, was, when I was thinking about this sermon. I originally wrote that God would allow our territory to be expanded, but it's not our territory. It's God's, that God would allow us to see his territory expanded through the ministry that is Cross-Culture Church. But I also realize that we have to, now and again, we have to look at ourselves and ask, how are we doing? Where are we in this process? Are we the church that we are supposed to be? And to do that, we have to kind of, we have to go backwards a little bit. To do that, we have to look at what we intended from the very beginning. There is not time to look at everything uh, that, we, that we talked about at the very beginning, but there is time to look at a few things. And, and for us at Cross Culture Church, that means that we have to begin with our DNA. Now, most of you are aware that your DNA, everybody has, has, uh, has genetic makeup. Everybody's, uh, most of you are aware that your DNA is, is, has much to do with, with who you are and, and, and what you look like and, and what some of your character traits are and, and things like that. That's what, that's what DNA uh, does, right? That's part of its function and its purpose. And, and the exact same thing is true for Cross Culture Church. Uh, from the very beginning, we desired to uh, build into Cross Culture Church uh, DNA that, that, would, uh, that would shape who we are, what we look like, what our character traits are. That's what DNA is supposed to do, Right? Right? So at Cross Culture Church, we, we, we say it this way. Our DNA represents our, our defining non-negotiable absolutes. That's what we said from the very beginning. We said, what, as, as God is birthing this on our heart, what are, some, what are some non-negotiables that ought to be a part of this church? That's our DNA, our defining non-negotiable absolutes. We have seven of them, and they look like this. Here's the first one. Cross Culture Church will be thoroughly biblical holding faithfully to God's word through its teachings and practice. And that's important. And I'll be honest with you, we've lost some people sometimes because of that. Not every person, but sometimes because of that, because of a biblical position, because of a biblical stance, because of teaching the Bible, because of whatever. But, but that's, that's, just, that's a core belief of cross-cultural church. It's an absolute. 
It's not up for debate or discussion. We're not going to take a vote on whether, well, you know, times are changing and people are not, we're not, we're not, we're going to be thoroughly biblical. Second one, cross-culture church will be light on its feet. When I used to say that, I used to like jump, but I can't do it very good anymore. Uh, Cross-culture church will be light on its feet, being willing and able to change directions and methodology as necessary to continue to effectively engage and impact our culture now and into the future without compromising our message. That last part is important. We don't change the message. The message is not up for debate. It's not up for a vote, right? But our methodology must constantly change. Why? Because the world is constantly changing around us. So by methodology, I mean, how do we, how do we impact this world? How do we reach them? How do we say to them, hey, we, we got a message that, that God wants you to hear, that we believe is good for you and we'd love for you to hear. How, how do we take that message to them? And so one of the things that we said from the beginning is we're going we're gonna to be flexible. We're going to be light on our feet. We're going to be willing to change direction. We're going to look at stuff and say, you know, that, that really is not working very well. Maybe we need to go in a new direction. Y'all, have y'all, y'all heard this before? If you grew up in church, you probably heard this before. Uh, the, uh, the last seven words of a dying church, we've never done it that way before. Uh, y'all, have y'all heard that? That does not exist at cross-culture church. I mean, we're, not, we're never going to say, we, we're going to be willing to try and do and, and experiment and, and say, hey, this sounds kind of goofy, but what if, as long as we're operating within the parameters of Scripture, cross-culture church will be committed to take the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth, through hands-on involvement in missions and the planting of new churches in the Research Triangle Park community, this all, whatever all you want to call all this, and throughout the world. That, that, that's part of our DNA. We're going to be committed to taking the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And here's why. Because everyone needs a Savior. Everyone needs a Savior. All have sinned. That's what the Bible says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, you know, old so-and-so, he's a pretty good guy. He might be to you, but he's a lost, hell-bound sinner because we all are. Everyone needs a sinner. Second, because no one can be his or her own savior. Everyone needs a savior and nobody can be their own savior, which comes as a shock to many people in the world. Most people think, well, if I do enough good things, that somehow is going to outweigh the bad things. Yeah, I know I'm not perfect, but, but, I, but I give money to this or I do that or I, I help with this fundraising event. No, no. God's word is, is very clear. You cannot be your own savior. Third, uh, only one is the savior. There are not a plur- we, we believe there's not a plurality of ways, not multiple ways. There's one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, and, uh, and then fourth, uh, anyone can have the say. I, I, I genuinely believe that. And this is where I'd probably, uh, some of my more reformed brothers would probably disagree with me about this, but, but I truly believe that anyone can have the Savior. Anyone can come to the Savior, that God is desiring to save all persons that would come to Him. So, so that, that's, that's got to be a part of our DNA. And that means not just showing up here on Sunday. That means not just putting your, your money into the budget and all this. Thank you for doing all that. But, this is, but it's about that part about hands on. Like I said earlier, boots on the ground. What's some ways I can be engaged? Maybe I can't go to East Asia next spring. Maybe I'm not physically able to do that, or maybe my work won't allow that or whatever. But what what are some other places? What's some other things? Okay, so um, uh, next, 
I think it's number five, I think. Cross-culture church will be intentional about remaining simple in structure and strategy and will resist the temptation to become a complex organization rather than a living organism, which is what a body is supposed to be, a living organism. But what I, I've discovered, uh, not only in church ministry, but former life in, uh, as, in the postal service and in management there, and that's one of the things I found is that is that the, the, when, an entity, when an entity exists, and as that entity gets larger, uh, it, it is very susceptible become, to become bogged down in complexity, in levels and layers of management and, and this committee and that committee. And, that. And, and certainly there's a place for some of that. So you have to have some organization, you have to have some structure, right? Right? But it, does, does it have to hinder us from, from completing the mission that we've been given? I, I've, this is another one of my statements. I've said that oftentimes uh, the, the world is, is going to hell while the church votes on what color carpet it's going to have. It's just, we're just spinning our wheels off time. So we, we're going to try and resist that. And I'll just be honest with you. It's, for some people, that's a, they don't, they're not really wild about that idea. Some people come in here and they say, y'all don't, y'all don't have business meetings? No, we, we don't have business meetings. Y'all, we, we don't get to vote on stuff? No, y'all don't get to vote on stuff. We have what we believe is a biblical model where the elders uh, uh, who, uh, who serve in that capacity in this church uh, do so uh, under the direction of God. They seek God's will and direction, biblically based, and, and we try and move forward in that. And, and, and that's how we do it. I believe it's a biblical model. And for seven years, we've managed to get along pretty well uh, doing it that way, it seems to me. So anyway, just, just try, we've got to sometimes try and remain simple in structure. You have to kind of work at it sometimes because you do need some, uh, some organization and stuff like that. Uh, cross-culture church will strive to cross all cultural barriers, social, economic, and ethnic. We will work for an authentic community where the color of a person's skin or the amount of money in their bank account will have no bearing on their place in the community. We will strive to make everyone feel as if they belong. That's a goal. That's, do we get it right all the time? Probably not. But that's the goal. That why, 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 why can't we do this? Some of y'all heard me tell a story about the, uh, the church. Uh, when I was still in seminary, I went to this church that uh, needed a pastor, and they wanted me to talk to them about being their pastor. And, and I really didn't feel like what God, Cindy, I didn't feel like what God wanted for us. But I went up there and preached for them. Preached, and, uh, and it's, you know, if you've... You just got to experience it, but there's a, like, like, it's like a million of these churches everywhere. Like, you go in, preach, and, uh, you know, you could imagine, never mind. Anyway, finish the sermon, and they want, they want Cindy and I to have lunch with them, and they take us to the uh, fellowship hall to have lunch, because they want to at least talk to us. If I'm not interested in being their pastor, at least talk to us about, uh, you know, what they ought to be looking for in a pastor, right? And so the, uh, the chairman of the uh, search committee, at some point in the, in the proceedings, says to me, I've told some of y'all this story, y'all heard it for it, but it says to me, so uh, I guess you noticed we didn't have any black people in our service. And she said it just like, she like hesitated. I guess you noticed we didn't have any black people in our service. <laughs> I think it was funny to me, I don't know, it just, it just strikes me. And, uh, and so I, you know, well, I've been in a million churches that didn't have any black people in them. So, you know, I've seen, you know, church is the most segregated place in America, and I don't understand why, but it is, so... Uh, so uh, she said, she said, well, you know, it's not that we have anything against them. <laughs> That's what she said. It's not that we have anything against them. It's just that, here's what she said. It's just that we have our church and they have their church. <laughs> so, no, no, we're not going to do that here. We're not. <laughs> That's just, 
I, I just don't. I just don't think it's. I just don't think it's biblical. Okay. All right. What else? What else do we have? The Cross Culture Church will practice radical stewardship by acknowledging God as the owner of all that we have and are, and will use the resources that He has entrusted to us—physical, material, spiritual—for the building of His kingdom. That's, that's an expectation we have on the people of Cross Culture Church that you will say, "Hey, everything belongs to God. My talents, my experiences, my my hands, my feet, uh, my time, my money—it all belongs to God." And I'm going to be radical about it. I'm going to, I'm going to say, God, it all belongs to you. What do you want to, what do, you want to do with it? And, and, and a lot of people, we try and help people understand, especially on the finance, let's be honest, especially on the financial side, people are like, Ugh. So we have classes like the one we have uh, coming up, uh, financial peace class. That's a class you can talk to, to Pastor Bill, our life group pastor, about that and, and how it teaches people about, you know, what does God expect of that part of it? But it's, but it's all of us, it. not just the money. And we, we want to practice that at Cross Culture Church. We want to say, God, every bit of me belongs to you. I'll have more to say about that in a minute. And then, uh, and then I think, is this number seven? I lose count. Cross Culture Church will be a church of irresistible influence in our culture, uh, committed to taking the love of Christ to our culture through acts of kindness and service in our community. We will strive to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those around us. Uh, I, I, years ago, I read a book called The Church of Irresistible Influence, and the writer of that book, a, a pastor, opened the book basically with this uh, concept. He said, if your church ceased to exist tomorrow, if it closed its doors after 10 years, 50 years, 120 years, if your church closed its doors, uh, how many people in your community would even notice? That's the question that he posed. How many people in your community would even notice? And if so... Here's what he said, the second part of it. If so, how tragic is it that a church could exist in a community for 20, 50, 100 years and have so little influence in its community that it could go out of business and nobody would even notice? I do not want that to be said about cross-culture church. No matter what happens to us, no matter who is the pastor of this place, no matter what, what whatever, I, I, I want our community, I think you guys want our community to know that we are here. And so we're always looking for better ways or other ways or things that we can involve. Uh, Ivy and I, by the way, uh, had lunch last week with the principal of the high school here. And we're so excited uh, because he's all on board. We're, we're, some of you parents of, of uh, teenagers, uh, Ivy and some other folks, did that uh, teens and tech conference uh, back a few months ago for you or whenever that was. We're going we're gonna to open it up to the community. And he's all in. He says, yep, we'll notify all the, all the parents and stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll let them all know about it, and it's, it's just amazing. I mean, what he's, he's going to allow us to do, we're going to have, have it right here, and we're going to be able to serve them and, and all that kind of stuff. So how, how can we engage this community? How can we let them know we're here and let them and show them, be the hands and feet of Jesus to those around us, right? Right. There's nothing about any of those last seven statements. Best I can tell, and as I've looked at them, as I've prayed through them, there is nothing about any of those statements that, as far as I can tell, should change. By the way, we have those statements out on a, a sign out in the hallway. I don't know if y'all notice, y'all walk by them every Sunday. Uh, and I know they're primarily so that folks that come are looking for a church, they can see, okay, this is what this church is about. But there's nothing about those, uh, those seven items that, in my opinion, should, should change. They, they still should be the, the defining non-negotiables of this church and who we are. So if we are not reaching our full potential, here's what I'm saying. If we're not reaching our full potential, whatever all the reasons might be, I don't think that we can say it because there's something not right in our DNA. I think our makeup is okay. So then, uh, the question then comes, well, what about our passion? Now, if you're new to cross-culture, you don't, you don't know this, but from the very beginning, uh, we established what, what is called a passion statement at Cross-Culture Church. And I'll be honest with you, that was something that I really pushed because I am of the conviction, I am of the belief that what you are passionate about, listen to me, guys, what you are passionate about is what will get you out of bed in the morning. 
What you're passionate about is what will cause you to be bold across the lunchroom table. What you're passionate about is what will, what will evoke a conversation between you and your coworkers. What you're passionate about is what comes out of you. And so we have a passion statement at Cross Culture Church. It's rather simple, and it looks like this. Taking the cross to the culture, taking the culture to the cross. The idea being that as we, as we take the cross to the culture, to the world around us, as we take the cross, in other words, if we take the message of the cross, as we take the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because that is the, the message of the cross, right? As we take the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, as we, as we live it out in front of them, as, as, we, as we love it out to them, as we lay it out for them, the Holy Spirit will then use that, I believe, to draw people to the cross, to the only place where they can find grace and mercy and peace and forgiveness. The only place it can be found is at the cross. So we take the cross to the world around us, and God then uses us to bring the world around us to the cross. Do you understand? There's not anything about that statement, I don't think, that should change. I don't think there's anything about that statement that's outdated. There's not anything about the, that, that that should be the passion of our lives. Because I'm convinced that if that is the passion of our lives, st- I still believe that if this passion statement is the passion of our lives, we will see a greater significant impact in the world around us as a result of the footprint of Cross Culture Church. We'll see it if we're passionate about it. Listen, if we can be, this is nothing against any of those things, but if we can be passionate about sports teams and a particular political view uh, or a superhero, surely we can be passionate about the Son of God who died on the cross to save us from our sins. Surely we can. And as a matter of fact, I'll take some pastoral boldness here and say that if you cannot be passionate about the cross of Christ, there's something wrong in your spiritual life. So I don't think there's anything wrong with our passion statement. But I realize that our passion statement doesn't really say anything to the world around us. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, the passion statement is intended to be for us, to be reflective, to be uh, convictional, to, uh, to, to remind us, each one of us sitting where we are that, that professes Christ, to remind us, this is, this is my purpose in life. This is what I ought to be passionate about. But taking the cross to the culture, taking the cr- culture to the cross doesn't really say anything to the people outside of the walls of this church. It doesn't tell them necessarily anything. It doesn't communicate anything about about the cross. It says it, but it doesn't really communicate anything. It doesn't tell them anything about us. So I've been thinking about this a lot. And, um, and I've, been, I've been thinking about, you know, what, what is an idea? What, if we were going to communicate one message to the people around us, what, what would that message look like? What would that message be? What would be something that we, could, that we could say to people or we could put on car magnets or that we could talk across the fence to our neighbor about or, or we could put on t-shirts or what would be something that would say to people, okay, this is, this is who this church is. This is, it would tell them, at least tell them something. And my prayer is that it would also maybe engage and start even some dialogue or conversation. And I'll be honest with you, th- this statement is, uh, is one that uh, Joe Sams has been pushing me on for a long time about this statement. He's been saying, you say this all the time and that, that man, that's, that's, that's who we are. That's, that's what we ought to be about. Right, Joe? <laughs> and, and as I thought about it, I thought, you know what, this, this, is, this is my ministry. For the last 20 plus years of ministry, I've been involved in ministry. This is what I really, if you had to encapsulate into one statement, this is what I've been trying to communicate to people uh, my entire Christ life. Have I built it up enough? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, trying, I'm really trying to build this up. Is it, is it, Joe, I need a drum roll. No, 
Here it is. Here, here, here. This, is it. this is it. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. Now, if you're sitting there, if you've been part of Cross Culture for a while, and you say, that sounds uh, familiar uh, to me. Did he steal that from Charles Stanley? No, I did not. But I have mentioned it a number of times before, and so you may have heard it. As I, as I said, it's something I've said a lot. Joe, Joe said, you say that all the time. It's something I've brought out a number of times in a number of different sermons through the years. I, I emphasize this idea that it's not about a religion. It is about a relationship because there is a difference. You see, uh, let's face it. To the world, religions are a dime a dozen, right? A person practices their religion, right? A person goes to a church or they go to a mosque or they go to a synagogue or they go to a temple or they, or they go somewhere and they, and they pray their prayers, uh, call on the name of the, the, the God or gods that they've, they've been taught to call them by and they offer penance for their, for their sins in some way or maybe they sing songs, maybe they chant some sort of saints, maybe they burn incense, maybe they do something, but, it, but it's part of practicing their religion, Listen, you may practice a religion. You don't practice a relationship. You pursue a relationship. You don't practice a relationship. You pursue a relationship with someone. You, you, you want to spend time with them. You get to know them. You find out who they are and they find out who you are. You, you learn what they like and, and, and what they don't like and, and you like spending time with them and they like spending time with you and, and, and you... You invest in their lives and, and they invest in your life and, and you miss them if you don't get to be around them or to see them for, for some period of time. That's a relationship. That's a relationship. And that's exactly what God wants for us and with us. Now listen, I'm under no illusions that one tagline, one car magnet saying is going to instantly make us a church reaching thousands. But what I am saying is that if we begin to think that way, and if we begin to respond that way, and if we actually begin to, to have this dialogue, if we begin to say to somebody when we hand them a card from our church in Ivite, and, and we say, at, at, the, at, the, at the church I attend, cross-culture church, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. Number one, I think that says something to them automatically. Okay, there's something... They're, okay, it's not about religiosity or, you know, all that. There's something else to it. I think it'll say something to them about us. But more importantly, what I hope it will do is that it will, it will stir in them some type of question. That's what I want, a question. When I say that to somebody, when I, I say the church where I attend, by the way, this is just me. Maybe I'll say it differently, but I, 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 this is me. When I say this, I never say at my church because it's not my church. And I, I know that's just, maybe that's splitting hairs or whatever, but I, I just say, no, it's Jesus' church. I, I get to be a part of that fellowship. But I, I say at, at the church that I'm a part of, it, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. My hope is that if we start doing this, that, that this question will arise. What's a, what's a relationship? What do you mean by relationship? How does that make y'all different? What is it about this relationship thing? Religion, church, okay, I got all that. So what are you saying? It's not about religion, it's about a relationship. What, what is it about? What do you mean by relationship? Right? That question could come up, couldn't it? Don't you think? I mean, that seems kind of natural to me. If, if I say to somebody, uh, you know, we're, we're, not, we're sort of not a perfect church, but I'll tell you this, for us, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. Really? What is that? What, what do you mean by that? 
I want to help you answer that question in the time we have left this morning. Real quickly, I want to help you answer that question. Again, I'm not saying to you that this, adding this tagline is just the, the, the end-all, cure-all. I think it still comes back to us being passionate about the cross of Christ and, and refusing to shut up about it. But if we can use this as a tool, if I can get you all and you all can get me to, to use this as a tool, maybe God will, will stir in somebody's heart and maybe they'll ask that question. What, what, what do you mean by relationship? I want to answer that question. I want to give you the answer to that question, and because I'm always trying to find things or, or deliver stuff in a way that, that helps, it makes it easier for you to remember. I do try and do that. Sometimes maybe I get it more complicated, but I, I try and answer it in ways that helps you remember. And so I'm going to follow the whole, the, the 3C kind of model of cross-culture church to answer that question. Somebody says, what, what, is, what is relationship? What do you mean by a relationship? Hang in there. Y'all with me? The students are worn out. <laughs> They're tired. All right, so what, what, is, what, is, what is that relationship? All right, here's, here's what, here's what when, when somebody asks that question, here's how you need to respond. Listen, this is a simple gospel presentation. You can use this. I give you full permission to use this. It's mine. I came up with it. I have no copyright on it. I don't make six cents every time you use it or anything else like that. I just want you to use it. I want you to change lives. I want us to change lives. I, okay, here we go. Here's the first thing they need to know. Cost. All on him. It's all on him. There's an old, those of us that grew up in church, there's this old hymn we used to sing. Some of y'all remember it? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Y'all remember that? There's this idea that Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid every bit of it. And people have to understand that. Oh, you mean I, I, I don't have to work for it? I don't do, I can't, no. No, the cost is all on him. Look at this. A couple passages of Scripture just remind you of this. You know this verse, perhaps. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Nothing about what you did. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have, say it, eternal life. How about this one? Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved. And listen, and, and if you're presenting this to somebody, if you're just saying the three C's, you might, you might want to just memorize a couple of these verses. It wouldn't kill you. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by, say it, works, not by works, so that no one can boast. Cost, it's all on him. And uh, Peter put it this way, 1 Peter uh, chapter 3. For Christ also died for sins once for all. The just for the unjust. So that he might bring us to God, having put to, been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. The cost is all on him. They need to understand that. Second C, commitment. All to him. See, this is, this is part of salvation, folks, that, that, that people have to understand. No, I can't pay for it. I don't deserve it. I can't work for it. There's nothing I can do. He paid the cost himself. But there is an expectation that coming to Christ means coming to Christ. It means committing my life to Christ I, I, there was a guy that uh, left church where I was pastoring one time because he said I was, I was preaching what is sometimes referred to, I don't know if you've heard this term or not, but what's sometimes referred to as lordship salvation. He said, you're preaching lordship salvation. He said, uh, God puts no expectations on us. All we have to do is believe. It doesn't matter if we're changed. It doesn't matter if we're different. It doesn't matter if anything else happens. If we just pray that prayer, uh, we're, we're good. We're in. You're, you're preaching lordship salvation. You're preaching lordship salvation. 
Listen, I got news for you, and I had news for him. Jesus preached lordship salvation. Luke chapter 9, the the theme verse of cross-culture church looks like this. Then Jesus said to them all, if anyone wants to follow me. Does anybody see anybody left out of anyone? If anyone wants to follow me, he must give up himself and his own desires. He must take up his cross every day and follow me. If anyone wants to keep his own life safe, he must lose it. If anyone gives up his life because of me, he will save it. Let me, let me encapsulate that in one word. Commitment. Commitment. This understanding that, God, you paid this unbelievable price for me. I have no idea why you would, but you did. And I want to give my life to you. Not to pay for my salvation. That's ridiculous out of gratitude and thankfulness for what you've done for me and because I believe that you can make my life everything that you say that it can be. Commitment. People need to understand, no, it doesn't cost you anything to be saved, but you have to understand that you're, you're surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. And anything short of that, if somebody says to me, well, I, I, don't, I just don't, I'm not sure if I'm, I, I'm, I'm ready for that. You're not ready for Christ. It's, there's, you, can't, you can't halfway follow Jesus. You can't one leg in, one leg out, Jesus. You can't kind of follow Jesus. You can't kind of walk with Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not preaching some sort of perfection here that we get it right all the time or we're, we're ah, holy saints or any, you know, perfect all the time. But what I'm saying is that there's an understanding that I'm coming to Christ and I'm following him now. So his expectations on my life uh, for my morality, uh, my 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 time, my money, my, uh, my conduct, uh, my, my marriage, my everything, all, all to him, commitment. And, and then the third uh, C, close. That's what they need to know. Cost, commitment, and close, all with him. That what we can have with him, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me, and, and some of you in this room may not have experienced it. You may not be at a place where you've committed your life to Jesus Christ. But what we can have with him, the closeness that we can have with God is unlike anything that the world ever could even dream about providing. That we can be close to him. And here's what you need to understand. We can be close to him here and now. Look at this. Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all of you who are tired and have heavy loads, and I will give you Say it. Rest. Now, as far as I know, that takes in about 100% of the world's population. Because pretty much everybody gets bogged down, whether you're talking about the, the three-piece suit guy on Wall Street that pulls down nine figures or, or, whatever, or whether you're talking about the person that, that lives in some little village in, in Kenya. They're, they're, man, they're just trying to do life. They're just, they're just trying to put things together and understand and, and they get bogged down in just the stuff of life. And Jesus says, come to me. Come, come be a part of this. Come follow me and I will give you rest. Not like the world gives. And that's what we can have here and now. Listen to me. This, the whole reason I say this whole thing about, not about religion, about relationship. I know plenty of people that aren't interested in religion. Do you? Do you know plenty of people? None of my neighbors are interested in religion. I keep trying to talk to them about it, and they keep thinking religion. I know plenty of people that aren't interested in religion, but I know very few people that wouldn't be interested in having a relationship with somebody where that person could give them peace and hope and commitment and love and grace and mercy here and now. And, and then uh, in uh, uh, Revelation, yeah, chapter 3, thank you. 
Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, watch this, and will dine with him and he with me. Isn't there something about that that just sounds so very personal, so very intimate? There's something about sitting down and sharing a meal with somebody. And Jesus is painting this picture and he's saying, that's what, that's what I want with you. I want this relationship with you that is not, not some religion, not some go down to the church house on Sunday morning. And No, this ongoing, intimate, personal, provisional relationship with you. It's here and now, and you and I can have it. But here's the other part, and this is the part, listen, this is the part the world doesn't even want. I'm telling you, I've seen this in the last 20 years. The world has tried to block this out, the whole idea of what comes after this. Not only here and now, but also the there and then. That we can have this relationship with him there and then. I want to just kind of draw this to a close with this, what I think is one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture in all the Bible. Revelation chapter 21. It's the end of the book, and if y'all hadn't read the end of the book yet, we win. But at the end of the book, Revelation chapter 21, listen, listen, this, this is what John sees. This is John the, the, the Relevator. This is what he sees. This is what, he, this is what he's giving out. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the, earth, for the first heaven and earth had, had ceased to exist, and the sea existed no more. Me, meaning that distance, that expanse, that separates people, that whole idea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, made ready like a bride adorned for her husband. Listen to that. Listen to the language. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, the residence of God is among human beings and he will live among them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. Thank you. (laughs) He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. How many tears have you shed over a, over a busted relationship, over a child, over, over a mistreatment, over whatever. He will wipe away every tear. I'd, I'd, go to, I'd want to go to heaven just for that one, folks. And death will not exist anymore. Or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the former things have ceased to exist. And the one seated on the throne said, look, I'm making all things new. And then he said to me, write it down. Because these words are reliable and true. And he also said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the one who is thirsty, I will give water free of charge from the spring of the water of life. The one who conquers will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. Here it is. But as for the cowards, unbelievers, detestable persons, murderers, the sexually immoral, and those who practice magic spells, idol worshipers, all those who, who lie, Listen, that's not intended to be an exhaustive list of sin. It's just, he's just saying people that operate outside of the, the realm of, or the parameters that God wants for us, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. And that is the second death. We can have it there and then. We can have this relationship with him there and then. And I don't know what all it will be like. Sometimes people ask me, what do you think in heaven this? Or will, will, we, will we have Taco Bell in heaven? Will we, you know... I get all kinds of, <laughs> you'd be surprised what I get. get all kinds of, I, I don't know, I don't know what all heaven will be like, but I know, I know it's going to be good because God is good all the time. Listen, I got to go. I know, we got to go, got to close. I want to close in a moment with, you know, with just, we're going to have a kind of a little bit of a time of response. We're going to do it a little bit differently today, but listen to me. There, there's this old, there's this old, evangelism saying. Evangelism is just telling somebody about Jesus. There's no evangelism saying that says evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's good. But I thought this whole relationship thing, maybe 
maybe a, a better way for us to say it might look something like this. Evangelism is one former homeless person telling another homeless person where to find home. That's a relationship. It's not about a religion. It's really not. We have to help other people understand that it's not. Whether you are a regular part of the Cross Culture Church family or another church, we hope that today has been helpful to remind you of who the church is intended to be. There is no perfect church, and churches may look different in some ways. But as Pastor Clay explained today, helping people understand the difference between a religion and a relationship is a task that all churches should embrace. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross Culture Church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.